I'd like uh, to go immediately uh, to hear uh, God's Word from John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. And in many respects, this is following up on our series uh, in the morning of uh, Jesus as our uh, the, the gentle heart of Jesus. And here, again, he is identified as, as friend. Uh, Jesus has befriended us. And this will make a difference in the way that we pray together. So, uh, John uh, chapter 15, beginning uh, with the 12th verse. This is, this is the Word of God. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone uh, lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, uh, so that you will love one another. Let us again pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would reveal yourself to us in this scripture, in accordance with your wisdom, um, all that we need to know uh, from your mouth, Uh, from the Father's mouth uh, for us to live lives that are upright and and full of joy and obedience in this this fallen, uh, miserably fallen world. And so, Holy Spirit, we uh, depend on your ministry as your word goes out and as we hear it ourselves in the name and for the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, last night, my son Kirk and I were texting each other back and forth during the uh, University of Maryland basketball game. They are, uh, are in, they were playing a, a round one game in the NCAA uh, tournament, uh, March Madness. And uh, as we're, you know, going back and forth, and I, and I mentioned at one point, Kirk, did you see that, that uh, back-to-back slam? Dante Scott and Aaron Wiggins within about 30 seconds of each other just threw it down from the, nearly from the foul line. Beautiful. And he texts back, yeah, Dad, I saw it. It was cool and, and all of that stuff. Well, we were sharing an experience as friends. Father and son, yes, but also as friends. Friends share experiences with one another. We delight in a common cause with a friend. I want to read to you something from C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves, that distinguishes between what he identifies as eros, or erotic love, and phileo, friendship. And Jesus here identifies himself as, 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 identifies us as his friends. And listen to what that includes, according to C.S. Lewis. Lovers are always talking to one another about their love. Friends hardly ever talk about their friendship. 
Lovers are normally face-to-face, absorbed in each other. Friends, side-by-side, absorbed in some common interest. Above all, eros, while it lasts, is necessarily between two only. But two, far from being the necessary number for friendship, is not even the best. Multiple people, not face to face, but side by side, walking in common cause in accordance, uh, in this case, with the desire and the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are friends of Jesus Christ, and we share together in His common interest. And tonight, that is, our focus is on prayer, our engagement with the Lord in the business of His kingdom by means of prayer. I want to look at this passage under three simple headings. First of all, friends love like Jesus. Friends are identified by their lifestyle. They love like Jesus. Verses 12 to 14. There is a commitment to a loving life that marks a disciple. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And this in one fell swoop blows up the deception of easy believism. How many people have you spoken with who say, I believe in Jesus, but they don't darken the door of a church. They have little regard for the Word of God, no understanding of what it means to live a life of sacrifice for another person. You cannot walk with Christ if you are walking with the world. You keep in step with the Spirit, not with the world. And as Carl Truman has said in some of his, some of his writings, you must, must be willing to be weird. Out of step with the world in your view of sexuality, your view of marriage, etc. Be willing to be weird. And on the positive side, then, we love as he has loved us. It is marked by self-sacrificing love. Think of it this way. A, a life of self-sacrificing love, and it's contained right in that expression, is a commitment to many deaths and enjoying many resurrections. Do you understand what I'm saying? Many deaths and many resurrections. Our instinct when someone is difficult to love, perhaps they've hurt us in some way, perhaps they've done something to us, our our tendency, and we see it all around us, is to ghost them. That is, avoid them. That is, have nothing to do with them anathema, and just, and just separate from them. But following Christ means moving towards people. You choose to love when it's difficult, and you are even willing to die for sinners. It is not dying for their sins. Jesus has done that. But dying to your sinful response to them and their sins, how about that? There still is a dying to self as we are seeking to live and and, uh, love other people. We are dying to our sinful responses to them, and that in that death, we experience a tiny little mini-resurrection. A sense of joy. Joy in identifying with our Savior and walking with this obedience, in this obedience, and, and enjoying that commendation that comes from suffering. Loving a fellow sinner. 
loving a fellow sinner. Now, Jesus says here, it is my commandment you love one another as I have loved you. That is the goal. That is the goal. That is not something that we're able to achieve fully in this life. We're talking not about perfection, but direction. And if we're honest with ourselves, we would, we would be able to say we don't normally put others first. Normally we're rather self-indulgent, aren't we? Thinking about how it affects me, how, um, how comfortable I will be in this situation, whatever it might be. And we can give up fighting, as Paul calls it, the fight of faith. And we can just take our oars out of the water and just drift along with the current and stop, just fail to be doing this fight of faith. The book of Proverbs gives us an indication of how we are called to do this. Not, not attaining perfection, but listen to what it says. The righteous man falls seven times. We get that, don't we? The righteous man falls seven times, but rises again. Each fall, each failure, each inability to love others as we would have them love us and the love as Jesus would have us do, each of those failures is marked by a repentance and by a coming back to, to acknowledge mercy in Jesus and then standing up and walking and, and keeping on the path. That's what, that is the Christian life. Rising and, and keeping on the path. Do not, first of all, hear then, friends, love like Jesus, and this is going to affect our prayers as well, don't let your failures keep you from prayer. Your failures lead you to Jesus, who embraces you in your failure, lifts you up, carries you, enables you to stand, and enables you to walk. So the last thing you want to do is let your failures keep you away from the tender heart of Jesus in your failures. Friends love like Jesus. Um, secondly, then, friends know Jesus, know his plan, and know it intimately. Know Jesus and his plan intimately. Uh, there is a shift here. Um, Carson says this, and I think it's correct. There is a shift uh, indicated in this verse in, in salvation history. At one point, followers of God were called servants, and now we are called friends, and that is a shift in how we think about ourselves and how we relate to God. What's fascinating, though, is that the two Old Testament examples, the two people who are called friends of God, reveal to us how we are to walk in this current age. Do you remember who they are? Who are the friends of God? You remember? You can say it. Abraham and Moses. Abraham and Moses called friends of God. And God disclosed his plan to Abraham. Remember, Jesus is disclosing himself to us. All that God has given to him, he has given to us. God had self-disclosure with Abraham. He disclosed to him the covenant of grace that through him um, all the, the nations of the world would be blessed, as many as the sands of the sea and, and so forth. And then the pre-incarnate Christ came to visit him. They didn't eat together, but Abraham and Sarah and the servants put together quickly, as quickly as they could, a wonderful meal to feed God. There was eating, uh, an expression of intimacy. 
And then the Lord says, listen to this, the Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham what I intend to do? No, 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 no. We are friends. I reveal it to you. I'm coming after Sodom and Gomorrah to punish them for their wickedness. So God disclosed himself to Abraham. He revealed his plans and there was intimacy and friendship. Same thing with Moses. God disclosed his plan to Moses. This exodus, Moses, is a rem- it's an amazing event that you are going to watch. I'm going to, I'm going to eject you from Egypt and save you. Of course, you know, you know how that went. He also then would declare, would reveal to Moses his ten point detailed law. In order, again, self-disclosure of God. And, and then, And then Moses, with 70 others, ascended the mountain and sat down and had a meal with God. They ate with God. It was really a meal that was cloaked or described in the context of heaven itself. An intimate, unbelievable meal with God. What's my point of saying this is a shift in salvation history? Well, today... You have friendship with God that was once reserved only for Old Testament heavyweights. Jesus has revealed God's plan to you. He says, all that I've heard from God, I've made known to you. God discloses Christ to us. And in the words of Paul, we see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, that is absolutely all you need to know what I am revealing to you in myself, no longer in shadows and types, but Jesus himself is offered up as the Lamb. And we see him. We know him. We are intimate with him. And he he has revealed to us all we need and all he is up to. And we have shared the intimacy of a meal with him. And we'll do it again next week. We have, we have an amazing friendship with this Savior. Nothing, nothing that you need for this life that he has not already revealed to you. Our anxieties, he addresses them. Our fears, he addresses them. Our insecurities in a time where there is such chaos in our country, he addresses that. I'm sovereign and ultimately it's all for my good. Well, finally then, verse 16, friends pray for more friends. (laughs) Friends of Jesus pray and work towards there being more friends of Jesus. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father on my name, he may give it to you. We are chosen to bear fruit. The love, the love of the triune God um, naturally um, draws others into its orb. The, 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 the love of our triune God naturally draws other, others into its orb. It is always moving outwards and drawing others in. It is a seeking love. It is a harvesting love. This is the love of God. And the power of our sovereign God and his electing grace. 
How, how can you spot a Reformed Christian? How can you spot a Reformed Christian? Um, you hear from time to time a huge sigh of relief. God has done it all. That's how you identify a Reformed Christian. Massive sighs of relief. Because God has done it all. And we see then the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace in that believer's heart. But the primary fruit that is, um, God is referring to here uh, isn't the fruit of Spirit in us. The doctrine of election has another purpose. Not just to encourage our hearts, which it absolutely does, because God has done it all, but it also spurs us on to win others because God has done it all. Despair of no man. God has done it all. Despair of no woman. God has done it all. He says that you, you, you are chosen to bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Calvin, I'm sure, is right, as is D.A. Carson, to say this is, this is the fruit of converts. And the plan of the Son of Man, of course, is to come and to seek and to save the lost. We know the plan. We are chosen to bear fruit. Um, he has come to bear, has come to seek and to save the lost. And so we share in Christ's project, side by side. We're friends. We share side by side. Thank God he's the one who does the heavy lifting. He's the one who has poured out the Spirit, who sends the Spirit to awaken hearts that are cold and dead and eyes that are blind to let them see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We don't have to do that. We simply point we're signposts and we point to Jesus. Our part starts with prayer. Friends, pray for more friends. So the first thing we do is pray. And I would say um, pray big prayers. We'll sing about that, another John Newton hymn, in just a few minutes. But, but pray big prayers. We know his plan And as friends, we want a more active part in it. And where do you start then? Do you follow what I'm saying? We're friends of Jesus, cooperating with him in his program. Where do we start? And We start with our own hearts in prayer. We start with our own hearts in prayer. We pray for others. And we pray, if need be, love for the lost. It's a prayer I have to make from time to time to love as Jesus loved Not just you, but those outside as well. So that we often at times even lay down our lives for others. EOPC has a podcast to encourage missions. I'm not sure if you've heard it. Uh, um, I, I I will send you some of these links that I've been enjoying of late. But one pastor down in Florida uh, puts it this way, to encourage us in our prayers and our speaking to others outside of the church. church. He says, see cashiers at Aldi's or the gas station or wherever. See See cashiers not as furniture for your comfort, not as furniture um, or as servants just to do what you want, but as image bearers of God who have eternal souls. You hear the difference? They're not just there to service your needs, although they will, 
They are image bearers of God with eternal souls. And, and so you go to those same stores every week, I'm sure, or every during COVID time, you probably get gas once a month, once every three weeks. But you, you go back to that gas station. You ask questions. You find out about the person. You inquire about their family. How are you doing? What's going on? And as time goes by, as you're friendly with that person, they will open up sometimes with you if there's something going on. And you have an opportunity. You seek Jesus. Lord Jesus, give me opportunities to, to point them in some way to you. It's, remember, it's his program. It's his plan. It's not yours. So you just pray and do those little things and, and watch what God will do. I, um, I, I, um, one of my regrets of this COVID time, and I have several, <laughs> but one of my regrets is that we have uh, stopped off doing our welcome bags. Um, we would have... Um, we would uh, we get a list of, of people who are moving into the area, and we'd have people that put together these bags, and then and then several, quite a few of us, would go around to, the, to to those in our neighborhoods and drop off these bags and and just warmly greet them and and uh, just say hey, anything I can pray for you concerning or anything like that. And it's interesting that that and and then and then many times, if not if not each time, it would be on this third Sunday that we would come back. And there would be some stories to tell of people having come, people who are who are somewhat intimidated by this, but they knocked on someone's door, and and the number of of, of pleasant, uh, even open conversations was quite remarkable, and people and and they would come, and then the, your brothers and sisters would come back to this room. And, and there would be, um, it would be a fun and exhilarating time of hearing reports about those conversations, fresh stories of grace and sweet conversations and then sweet prayers about it. I really miss that. That's a big part, a big part of what we were doing for a while there. And it was, it was wonderful. Just a tiny bit of that we're seeking to do with Easter this year. 50 books out in the narthex there. And my, my prayer is, um, and you could perhaps join me tonight, I would... But I'm praying that there would be um, 50 conversations as 50, the hands of 50 unchurched people receive that book along with an invitation to come to church. I don't know what's going to come of it, but that's something that we can do, provided we have friends that are, 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 uh, we're close enough to, to be able to, to, be able to make uh, such a move like that. So the first thing we do is pray and we look for opportunities and then, and then finally, the long haul praying, if you will, staying at it and being perseverant. Whatever you ask in my name, uh, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This is not a one-time asking, is it? It is staying at it. It is a long-time thing. In our prayer meeting this past week, uh, we had an intimate prayer meeting at, at, at uh, Wednesday, and one of the people that were, was there indicated and told a story of a woman that she knew who has been praying 40 years for her husband to be converted. And shortly before he died, he, he was converted. He did come to faith in Christ. Wonderful, wonderful, encouraging story. Stay at it. Keep it up. Be perseverant. The missionaries who are suffering on our mission fields as well, 
um, the, and the, the, our missionaries and those who are suffering uh, for the cause of Christ on, on, uh, on foreign fields need our prayers. I'm thankful for Brother George and his, his encouragement to us to remember to pray for those suffering. Don't give up. Don't stop. Be persistent that the Lord would lift them up and carry them. You may have a friend who has been hardened to the gospel and you sometimes just want to give up, stop praying. And the Lord is saying here, keep praying. The Lord will answer your prayers. Keep praying. You see someone who who makes what appears to be a credible profession of faith and shows indications of growing in the Lord and then they drop off the planet. And it's a grievous thing. I can be discouraged by that. But the Lord here says, keep praying. Do not let them go. There's a great story in in Acts chapter 4. There was a persecution that was rising around the church in Jerusalem. Uh, They were being threatened by by the powers that be. And um, they they were committed to staying on their task uh, in spite of those, those, uh, those threats. And they needed they needed the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, uh, and so they prayed. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for courage. And the Scripture says that the the Lord uh, poured out the Holy Spirit, and they were given opportunity. They were given boldness of tongue to be able to speak in the midst of that suffering. And what I find most encouraging about that story is that takes place in Acts four, and four is greater than two. You had the outpouring of the Spirit in two, but then in the second chapter, but then two chapters later, the hungry people of God still needed more of that experience of the outpouring of the Spirit for today's, for today's problems. I need boldness for today. Give me more of your Spirit. And so there we are. We're coming to the the paraclete, the encourager, the spirit to give us that encouragement from our friend Jesus who is the original paraclete. So stay at it. Keep asking for the spirit's work that we would be able to love like Jesus and that we would pray in accordance with Jesus' plan as he's revealed it to us and that we would pray for more friends to join us in this family of God. Let us pray together. Our Lord Jesus, how we uh, marvel and, and, and praise you this evening as we um, consider the tenderness of your dealing with us, having revealed yourself um, fully to us and all that the Father has for us you have, re- you have given us all that we need all that we need and so we pray that you would strengthen us where each of us may feel discouraged or, or ill-equipped uh, or cold of heart that you would meet us so that we could take some um, greater part in your plan as your friends So we pray these things. So thankful. So thankful. Amen.